You're listening to audio from New Horizon Worship Center, located in Waco, Georgia. If you would like additional resources, please visit us online at www.NewHorizonWorshipCenter.org. Today, if you're turning with me, we're starting in Ephesians, Ephesians 1. If you're turning with me, and uh, um, today I'm going to talk to you about five C's. I'm sure you've heard of the seven C's, but that's a different different thing altogether. I'm talking about five C's, uh, five things that I want God to fill me with. And I've been praying about this for a couple weeks and, and then kind of studying it. And then I decided, like I felt like God was saying, that's not just for you. You need to share it with the church. And it, it's five different things that I want God to fill me, fill this house, this vessel So I'm the house, I'm the temple of the living God, Scripture tells us, all of us are. And these are five things that I want to be filled with. And they all start with a C, so it'll help you remember them. Coke, cake, cookies, corn dogs, and cow meat. Yeah, that sounds good. (laughs) No. Five C's, that sounds like some of y'all's report card in high school. Uh, Five things that I'm asking God to fill me with. And the the crazy thing is, I've been studying and getting a lot of good stuff, and I'm kind of excited about sharing some of these these C's with you. And so that was my idea. But as I study and I write it down, and I got like page after page, and, and really this morning... I got up at 5 o'clock this morning to kind of finish putting some stuff together because uh, I spoke on a different topic yesterday. And so I, long story short, I started putting it all together and realized this would be around a five-hour message because I need about, maybe not five hours, but way too long to share with you right now. All five of them. So I think I'm going to just give you the first one. And the first one is probably going to take me about 30 minutes to give you. So I'm not promising that this is a five-part series because I may get several of them in on the next one. So I'm going to give you the five C's. I'm going to give you all five of them right now, but then we're just going to talk about the first one. So don't be discouraged. I'm not going to keep you too long. Here they are. Five things that I'm asking God to fill me with. Number one is clarity. And that's what I just started talking about that at the end of the worship service. Clarity. We need to see things clearly. If we can see things clearly and if our perspective is right, it can change everything in our life. Number two is compassion. We see it all throughout Jesus' life and and compassion. Remember, compassion, that's sympathy with action. It's not just feeling bad about something or someone's bad situation or feeling like you should do something It's actually doing something about it. So sympathy with action. Number two, that's compassion. Number three is calmness. Calmness. I don't freak out. I won't lose it. That I can stay calm no matter what happens in life. That I can stay calm and hear His voice. Remember Jesus laid down in the back of the ship and went to sleep and the disciples were freaking out saying, we're in a storm, we're going to die. And Jesus was laying back there asleep. He had that much trust in his father. 
And he knew he was where he was supposed to be, so no matter what was going on around him, he could remain calm. Calmness. Number four, this is a fun one. And this is one I'm looking forward to talking about. I think we'll get to it next week. Conviction. It doesn't sound fun. It sounds like, oh, I might skip that week. But after doing some some studying and thinking and letting God speak to me on this and and bouncing some ideas off of Jesse, I feel like me, not y'all, I know y'all probably already had it straight, but I think I had some of the wrong ideas about conviction. Thought of it more like guilt and shame than what I now see it really is. I don't want to give it away, so grace. Conviction, that's number four. And number five, Christ. Christ, and, and we know Christ, Jesus Christ, we call him the Christ, or Christ is the anointed one, the anointing, or the power that Jesus had, because there's a whole lot of Jesuses. There was a whole lot of Jesuses back in his day, but they weren't all the anointed one. They weren't all the Messiah. There's a whole lot of Jesuses now. Some of them go by Jesus, but... I need the Christ. If I'm going to be all that I'm called to be and do the things that he wants me to do, I need the anointing. I need, the, I need to be filled with Christ. If you're filled with the five C's, then your life will be full of purpose, full of fruit. Remember the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance, uh, I think I forgot a couple. Your life will be full of fruit and power of the Holy Spirit. You're going to look like Jesus. If you're full of all five of these things, you're going to start to look more and more like Jesus. So look at Ephesians 1, 15 through 19. We're going to talk about clarity. This is Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. That's why when I heard of you, that's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master, Jesus, and your outpouring of love to all the Christians, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I'd think of you and I'd give thanks. But I do more than thank, I ask. Ask the God of our Master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you rich and give you a lot of money and a good job. It's not what it says. To make you intelligent and discerning in knowing Him personally. Your eyes focused and clear. There it is. Clarity. Your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He is calling you to do and grasp the immensity of His glorious way of life. He has for Christians, oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy, boundless strength. That sound good to anybody? Endless energy and boundless strength? Yes, please, I'll have two. 
I think, I mean, I want that. Eyes focused and clear. Look at 1 Peter 1, five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, that word abound is come up out of you, to come out of you and abound. So he's saying it's not just, it's not good enough if they're just inside of you. If these things are in you, like if you're full of it and it comes out. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but he that lacketh these things is what? Blind. And cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged. That word purged is a Greek word, and it means washing, purified, to be washed. Purged from his old sins. If you don't have these things, if you're not full of these things, you can't see. You're blind. And you have forgotten that you've been washed, that you've been clean, that you've been purified. So the first C, number one, clarity. I don't want to be blind. I I don't want to live my life having as though I've forgotten that I've been washed or that I'm clean or who I, I don't want to forget who I am. As James said, don't be like those people that come in and look in a mirror and see themselves and they walk away and forget who they are. I don't want to forget who I am. I want to live as a son of God and who I'm called to be. I don't want to be blind. I, I want clarity. God, give me clarity. Like we just read in Ephesians. I want my eyes focused and clear. Have you ever put on a pair of Sunglasses after a baby had them. You can't see very good out of them. There's slobber and boogers and formula and stuff all stuck to them. And you try putting them on. There are fingerprints all over them. Maybe little kids had them and they got, they got fingerprints all over them. And, and you can still kind of see in front of you. But there's all kind of stuff in the way. And, or, or what about some prescription glasses that aren't yours? You ever pick somebody else's glasses up and put them on? And he wears contacts now. He's not here, so I can pick on him. But uh, um, if you're listening to me on the podcast, Bo, remember when I put your glasses on? When we were teenagers, Bo had some glasses that were, I mean, thick. And I grab those and put them on one time. And I don't need those glasses. It made everything blurry. Him, he could put them on and see. But when I put them on, it made everything blurry. Instantly, you get a headache. Head's hurting. Your eyes are trying to see something. You can't see. Things look blurry. You get dizzy. You can't. There's no clarity. The lines are blurred. 
nothing specific. Your perspective is off. So we need clarity. What's right? What's wrong? If you're on social media, which probably most of you are, you have thousands of people speaking into your life. Whether you admit it or not, there are thousands of people speaking into your life about everything. Politics, to racism, to like good or bad. Yeah, I mean, you just got, that's a lot, you got a lot of voices. Now in this day and age, we have more voices speaking into our life than ever. So it's important that we have clarity. That we can see through the fog. Thousands of voices are affecting your view. Now we need clarity. So things don't get blurry. When our perspective is off. Or when we look through the wrong glasses. Everything's off. You know you can put on a pair of like red or. Or yellow glasses, everything's red. Everything's yellow. Because you're looking through that lens. Y'all know the story. I won't I won't turn there. But you know the story of David and Goliath. Everybody knows the story of David and Goliath. Even people that aren't Christians know of well, he's a Goliath of a man, like the the great giant and the little boy that killed him. And David was around 14 years old. We know the story. His dad sent him to, to go and take some cheese toast, or some pimento cheese sandwiches, bread and cheese to his brothers that were the real men that were fighting in Saul's army. And so David got to take a break from watching the sheep and go take his brother some bread and cheese. And he was about 14 years old. And the number one song that year, just kidding, speaking of voices. (laughs) The number one song that year was, I think, Eminem, Till I Collapse. I don't know. He shows up with his cheese toast and a slingshot. He's that kid. All right. Hey, what's up, guys? I got some pimento cheese sandwiches. And he's got a slingshot hanging off his side and his shepherd's staff. And his brother's like, oh, my God. Why did dad send him here? Why don't you bring your Swiss Army knife, dude? Give me the sandwich and go home. He's that kid. Hey, hey, what's up, guys? What's going on? And all of a sudden, he hears the giant over there on the mountain screaming. And he, David's, what's that? What'd he say? What'd he say? And his, I can picture his brothers now like, don't worry about it. Not, let us take care of this. You just go on home. Oh, God. Oh, God. Here he goes. They knew. They know him. About Malachi and Titus, they're fighting a war and Sky shows up. We know how it would go. What? Y'all are letting him say that? Why don't you? Go home, dude. Go take your little slingshot and go protect the sheep. He's that kid. 
And I like how David said, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the army of God? He faced the giant and he called him what it was. Didn't hide from it. We all have giants in our lives. We all have things that would scream and yell and say that we can't beat them and things that would try to make us slaves. We've got to learn to face the giant and call it what it is. God, take me to a new level. You ever prayed prayers like that? God, I'm ready. I want to go to a new level. God, God, take me to that next level. I have. You ever played Super Mario Brothers? Me too. You know what you have to do to go to the next level? Kill Koopa. The dragon. The giant. God, take me to the next level. And God's like, pass this one. Put that thing, that giant. Look, I can't pass this one. I'm, I'm just going to run around here and get some more coins and eat another mushroom. Right? I mean, mushrooms make me big. I'm talking about Super Mario Brothers, guys. And when you get to the end... There's a dragon to beat. But if you don't ever beat that giant, you don't ever learn how to beat that dragon, you don't go to the next level. It's not some magic. You have to beat the dragon. It's what you got to do. The problem is, a lot of times we stop when we see the dragon or we see that giant or we hear Goliath. We just stop. We give up. You know, I'm good here. Hey, I'm just going to run around here and try to get some more coins and, and make sure I don't die because at least I don't end the game. I'm going to stop here. Well, there's not a whole lot of blessings going on. There's not, ain't too many mushrooms around. There's not much money. God sent me to a different job. Maybe you went to your giant instead of through your giant. Giants are there for us to slay and move on. Mountains are there for us to climb and come back down and get ready to climb another one. Don't just go to it and stop. Go through it. Here's the difference in David and his brothers. His brothers were hiding. Oh, oh gosh, look at him. He's big and strong. They were being led by fear. They were all hiding. The whole entire army. But David's brothers, who were more qualified than David, they were bigger and stronger they had swords and spears. David, they were more qualified than him, but they were being led by fear. They were hiding. We're doomed. We can't win. You know what David said? 
Who is this that defies our God? Are you kidding me? Who is this? David's not looking at the giant. He's defending God's glory. You keep on looking at the giant and trying to make a plan. Oh, how am I going to beat this giant? How are we going to kill this giant? How we... David's looking past the giant at God. Wait, who is this that thinks they can defy our God? Did he not know how big our God is? We get focused on the giant. And how am I going to beat this giant? Remember uh, last, no, week before last, uh, we talked about Gehazi, the servant of Elisha. When, when they were hiding out and there were thousands of men surrounding him and he was so scared and upset and thought they were going to die and Elisha prayed that God or the Spirit would open up his eyes to see what's really going on and, and God opened up his eyes and he looked and he saw the angels and God's army all the way around them. Well, that army that was threatening them before didn't go away. That giant or that death threat was still there. But what happened? His perspective changed so he could look past it to see how much bigger God was. How much bigger God's army was than that army that had them surrounded. That's David could look past the giant to how big God was and how much bigger God was than Goliath. He wasn't focused on a giant. you got to see through the enemy to God. We need to change our perspective. Don't pray that God would rescue you. Ask God, what do I need to learn in this situation? What are you trying to teach me? How to kill a giant? My, per- my perspective shifts when I focus on God's glory instead of my story. Because I can start getting focused on my story and what I've been through and what this is going to do to my life and what I need and how it's going to be in my And I start focusing on my story and how it led me to here. My dad told me to bring these cheese sandwiches here and I'm not qualified to beat that giant. I need to focus on God's glory, not my story. Look at Romans 12, uh, 1 and 2 familiar verse we talk about it a lot and I think it's really important I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed don't fit in with the world be not conformed to this world but be transformed. See, we all want a transformation. We all have things in our lives and areas in our lives that, that we want to see transformed. We all, we all want that. God changed my circumstances. And God wants to change you. God's presence has never been to change your circumstances. It's to change your perspective. Now you can come in here and spend some time in a worship service and go into God's presence and your circumstances don't change. 
If you were in the middle of a financial storm when you came in, it probably didn't change while you were standing here worshiping, but your perspective can change. Off of your giant and off of your problem and on God. You see things clearly. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how it happens in here. That's how we see a real transformation is by the renewing. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the renewing or the resetting of your mind. You ever seen a rat trap? You ever seen a preacher break a finger? This is a rat trap. Its maker made it with a purpose in mind. To kill rats. I like the way he was thinking. It has a purpose. And it, if I take it and I put some bait on there and I set it, I mean, that's a pretty big trap. Hopefully there's nothing in here big enough that we can catch on that. But if I take it and catch a puppy or whatever, catch a rat. All right, we catch a big rat. We say we got a rat problem in here. And we set this thing. That's what it was created to do. Okay? So, a rat comes along, and we catch him. Well, if I never reset the trap, then I'm not going to catch any more rats. The trap's not going to do what it was created to do. You have to reset it. That, that's the same word, the renewing of your mind, the resetting of your mind. We have to reset the way we think so that we can do what we're called to do. We can walk in all that He has for us. There's all kind of distractions that would keep us from seeing things clearly. clearly that would keep us from clarity. I'm going to close by giving you three ways that you can hear God, to hear His voice, that you can set or create an environment to hear God. Because if we can hear His voice, He can give us clarity. Look at 1 Samuel 3.1. We'll close with this. Three ways that you can... You can hear God. You can set an environment to hear God. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. And there was no open vision. He needed clarity. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down. In his place, and his eyes began to wax dim that he could not see. 
And Ur, the lamp of God, went out in the temple. Move this over here by the light. Went out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And Samuel was laid down to sleep. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered, Here am I. And he ran unto Eli. And he said, Here am I, for thou callest me. And he said, I called not. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. And the Lord called yet again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and he went to Eli. And he said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And he answered, I called not, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. He didn't even know what God sounded like yet. Now we know that Samuel would become arguably maybe one of the the greatest prophets in the Old Testament. You know, he's the one that anointed uh, Saul and David, and he did some awesome things. And he would be God's voice to the people. Well, this is when he was a little kid. He didn't know how to hear God yet. He didn't know how to hear God's voice yet. And so God's trying to call him. God's trying to speak to him. And he keeps on running in there. What, you called me? Eli, you called me? And he's like, no, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli and he said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child. Therefore Eli said unto Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls thee, that thou shalt say, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and he laid down in his place. And the Lord came and he stood and he called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. Number one, God speaks through the word. Said he was by the lamp. The lamp is a, is a symbol of the Word. In the Old Testament, the lamp signified the Word of God. Psalm 119, uh, 105 says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You ever been around a, an old-timer? I go and have lunch every couple of few weeks with Steve. I call him like my spiritual grandpa, and and he'll bring Grandpa Charlie with him, and we'll sit and talk, and they'll just kind of share wisdom and stuff. But Steve lights up when I'll ask him questions about Scripture. Oh, man, he'll light up and start telling you every time. He said, every time you read it, you hear something different. Every time I've read that Scripture 20 times, and every time I read it, I hear something different. Look at this. Look what God showed me about this. Look at, look at that. It's always different. There's always a revelation. 
Every time I read it, it says something different. Psalm 119 uh, says, I have put my hope in your word. Your word. So it's a lamp unto our feet. It, it brings light, God's word. It brings light to our path, clarity, so that we can see we're not stumbling around in the dark. Number two, God speaks as we cultivate His presence. The ark represents the presence of God. Now, when we read that Samuel, uh, he was there, he was asleep, and he was laying there by the lamp and the ark. The lamp and the ark. The ark represents the presence of God. In the New Testament, worship does. So you need to hear God. That's the word, the lamp, and worship, the ark. In John 4, Jesus said, God is seeking those who will worship in spirit and in truth. You were born to worship. Oh, that's not my gifting. We all were born to worship. We saw that last week. I think we looked at that. It's sing unto God. Sing your way into His presence. David said, um, it's the second most commanded Christian discipline in Scripture. Next to second place behind prayer. Sing to God. Worship God. Number three, God speaks as we get planted in the church. It's His design, community, for us to be planted in the house. Problem is, lots of people are like pot plants, like plants in a pot. They don't get very big, they're very fragile. You can't take much. You'll die easily. Why? Because you're you're planted in something small. You don't have deep roots. You're you're not planted. When I think about being planted in the house, and there's there's several scriptures that, that tell us to be that we should be planted in the house or that the church is the body and Jesus is the head and that we should be planted, that we should put down roots, that we should find a place where we can connect and grow. And I was thinking about that and how I hear God. <laughs> a lot of the ways I hear God is being connected and being planted and being in relationship and in community and in, in services and hearing God speak through, through worship and through other people. And I started thinking about the benefits of being planted and connected My best friends came from being planted in church. My wife came from being planted in church. That's working out pretty well. The bulk of like my ministry and the things that I do for God are through the church, through the body. Connections like City of Refuge and things that were given to help us 
be more than we could be on our own, like the van out here that got donated to the to the church that we use for youth and different things like that. It's because we're connected, planted, roots. Well, what are you saying? Get yourself in the right environment. If you want to grow. If your purpose is to grow bananas, and that's what God's called you to do, you're probably not going to be happy living in Alaska. You're going to be unfulfilled, unsatisfied, unfruitful. Get connected. Settle in. Put down some roots. Let's get some clarity on what he's saying to us and what he's called us to do and what he's called us to be. So God, fill us with clarity. God speaks through his word, the light. He speaks through worship. And he speaks as we are planted. Let's pray. God, we need clarity. God, as we're praying for you to fill us up with clarity, God, that you would give us clear vision. That we, we, when we look at a giant or we look at a situation, we look at a circumstance, that, that we could look past all of that and see you. That we would never be led by fear. But God, our prayer is that we would be led by love. That we want to walk in power, we want to move in power, and we know that the only way that we can navigate through this life is to hear your voice. So God, speak to us through your word. God, speak to us as we worship you and as we make connections and as we find our place. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.